Welcome to Parsha in Progress. I'm Abigail Pogrebin, author of My Jewish Year. And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, president of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And we are two very different Jews talking about the same amazing Torah together. Hello, Dov Linzer. Hello, Abby. We are in Balak. It's not Balach. Balak. For once, you don't have to do that guttural. I miss it. I really miss it. It's a normal K. I don't feel Jewish anymore without that. So we're in numbers, still in numbers. Not that there's anything wrong with numbers. And we're going to talk about Pinchas, which is we do need a Ch for Pinchas. Pinchas, correct. I'm not a fan. I'll just start with that. This is a hard story. This is one of those stories that feels like the rabbis pretzel themselves to find a a good spin on Pinchas. Mm. Where are we? We are continuing the narratives of their travails and traveling through the wilderness for 40 years. And uh, most of this Parsha devotes itself to a a fascinating story with a talking donkey about a Gentile prophet that was hired to curse the people, and he failed. But after all of that, and after these curses failed to have any impact and to do harm to the people, we find that it was their own actions that brought them great harm, that Midianite women were in that area, and they seduced the men, the Israelite men, to uh, have sex and to worship idols. It's always the women's fault. It's always the women's fault. And, uh, you know, God responded accordingly, as God tends to respond, you know, punishing them with a heavenly punishment, but also calling on the people to punish the sinners. God sends a punishment of a plague, because that's his default. When in doubt, send another plague. Exactly. Does it say what kind of plague is sent? No, it doesn't even say plague. It says God's anger was kindled against the people, but that often means that God sent a plague amongst the people. And he said that the way you're going to stop this plague is only if you take the responsibility into your own hands and you go gird your loins, take your swords and kill out all of the people that are sinning. So we're in numbers. Um, I'm going to read 25, starting in verse six. Just then, one of the Israelites came and brought a Midianite woman over to his companions in the sight of Moses and of the whole Israelite community who were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Pinchas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, saw this. He left the assembly, and taking a spear in his hand, he followed the Israelite into the chamber and stabbed both of them, the Israelite and the woman, through the belly. Then the plague against the Israelites was checked. That means it was stopped. Mm -hmm. Those who died of the plague, number 24,000. So... This is vigilante justice. The scene seems to be that God says, if if you want this plague to stop, you have to take responsibility and start doing something about it. And everybody is too paralyzed to do anything. And the only person who acts is Pinchas, and he acts on his own without any sense of, you know, uh, doing it as part of a judicial system. And he's rewarded. He gets the priesthood for this. Um, I'm just reading on here. God tells Moses, Pinchas has turned back my wrath from the Israelites by displaying among them his passion for me, so that I did not wipe out the Israelite people in my passion. Say, therefore, I grant him my pact of friendship. It shall be for him and his descendants after him a pact of priesthood for all time. So the reward is pretty clear. Yep. Which surprises me. <laughs> because it is such a violent act. I mean, God was also being quite violent and punishing, so maybe it fits that theme. I think it's really worth pointing out that the key word in Hebrew is kinah, which can mean bekanoet kinati, when he, you read it, he had my passion, but actually more is a word relating to anger and zealotry. So it really is describing him as a zealot. He was a zealot for my sake. 
And it really raises powerful questions about whether we're supposed to uh, praise zealotry. I mean, there's the modern Hebrew word of a kanai is a crazy extremist who's a zealot and is always looking to act against people that he thinks are not acting according to how they should be religiously. Well, I'm extremely uncomfortable with it. First of all, I think we've seen where zealotry gets us. And the idea that this is any kind of model for behavior does not feel godlike at all. It is one thing for God to issue punishment, but suddenly for human beings to do it when we're supposed to be, as I understand it, God's agents on earth, Mm -hmm. feels very dangerous. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I mean, so much of the Torah is a shifting away from this tribal vigilante and creating a whole judicial system and due process. So, you know, this is almost like, well, if the judicial system isn't doing its job, you know, you got to step up and do it. But I think for us, that really can be very destructive to the fabric of society. And it's really hard to understand how it's being praised. Well, I have to say, when I was reading up on this, um, I saw that our ancient rabbis were also kind of wrestling with it. Then they talk about kind of a moral ambivalence here. And I'm I'm going to quote Mm -hmm. from Sanhedrin 82a, because it really struck me. They're saying that what Pinchas did was wrong, and that if the Jew that he killed, and I didn't realize this Jew had a name, Zimri, Mm -hmm. it says, although his act was lawful, that's Pinchas's act of killing Zimri, although his act was lawful, the sages nonetheless said that had Zimri turned around and killed Pinchas instead, he would be deemed innocent. That means Zimri would be deemed innocent since he would have acted in self-defense. Mm-hmm. And had Pinchas asked a court of law whether he was permitted to do what he was about to do, the answer would have been no. So, my goodness, like, they're not approving. The rabbis are not approving, and God is. Yeah, I think that that's a, a perfect passage because it speaks about the fact that the rabbis are trying to reconcile zealotry with a... Uh, judicial system and the fabric of society. And what they're saying is after the fact, we might look back and say that was praiseworthy, but we will never allow it at the moment. Where do you come out on Pinchas? Like when you think about it really in your gut? Yeah, I'm deeply troubled with it as well. I think that the rabbis did a lot to try to blunt the edge of that. I'll also say that a thought that I had is that the section afterwards uh, says, I am giving him my covenant of peace And I would like to read that as God saying, you know, what you did was a violent act, but that's not the way you're normally supposed to act. Ultimately, the way we're supposed to be is to is peace, find peaceful solutions and so on, even if there was a moment when that was necessary. And actually, in Pinchas's later life that we read in the book of Joshua, he's actually somewhat of a diplomat, a peace seeking diplomat. So I am uncomfortable. and I'd like to read all of those as trying to really narrow the circumstances as small as possible. But I ask myself, are there ever cases where somebody acted wrongly um, and outside of the rules of society where after the fact you actually said, it's a good thing that that person did it because nobody else was doing it and we'd be in a much worse place if uh, he hadn't stood or he or Steve hadn't stood up. How about you? Does that resonate at all? No. No, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) I I think this is a, it, it really sets a bad precedent. Even though I understand that you see something and you think it's wrong and you act, I think there's a reason why we have judicial systems. And as soon as you're thinking that you can take it into your own hands, unless your life is being threatened, then anybody can begin to justify and act because they're outraged by some behavior they consider to be crossing the line. Your point about how it hurts the fabric of society is correct. That's why we can never condone it at the moment. But I do wonder if we can't allow for exceptions. Like I'm thinking about movies, for example, where like a classic scene in a movie is 
You know, somebody finds, uh, I don't know, a child molester or a serial murderer. And if they don't stop this person, he's going to go keep on doing what he's what he's been doing. And this person has an opportunity to, you know, kill him in the movies. And he does without any judicial process. Um, and I think most of us feel like, yeah, good for you. That's exactly what you should have done. Well, so, you know, it's interesting you're saying this. And we're, we're talking a few days after the horrific George Floyd video came out in the Minneapolis incident where uh, a police officer basically put his knee on on George Floyd's neck to the point of him stopping, you know, breathing, killing him. And there are a lot of bystanders standing there and there mm-hmm. there's law enforcement standing around doing nothing. I do think that that if that was a Pinchas moment, then I would basically change my own mind and say, yes, yeah, someone should have thrown their body on that cop or done something besides just uh, film it. I'm glad that there's documentation, but there were a lot of people who didn't, I think, act as physically to interrupt it and perhaps save his life as they could have. Right. So I I think both of us are really grappling with the same things the rabbis did, because I think we want to say you're never allowed to be a vigilante and you always have to do the rule of law. But I think after the fact, sometimes we're we're happy that certain people did what they did, even when it violated those uh, those strictures. I just want to make sure that we have dove. What exactly was he avenging? Like, what did he see happening? What was the oh. sin? Was just that they're having sex? Yeah, that they're having sex, and this and involved with the sex is also the worship of idols. And uh, you know, it's actually interesting. Is it because the Midianite is not a Jew? That no, it's sinful? it seems that the Torah is much more concerned with the fact that this was uh, connected to idol worship. So it's, again, taking the people away from God. Am I wrong that um, Zipporah, Moses' wife, is a Midianite woman? Yeah, she is. And again, the rabbis pick up on this, and they actually say that Zimri, you know, with this Midianite woman, he went to Moses and said, Moses, are you allowed to have sex with a Midianite woman or not? And Moses said, you're not. So he said, well, how about you and your wife? So uh, Moses basically didn't have an answer. And that's when Zimri went out and he acted as he did to demonstrate that it should be totally permissible. Um, The rabbis never reconcile the problem, though. Well, on that happy note, resist seduction. Resist idols, Dove. Shabbat Shalom. (laughs) You really want to end on that note? I would say, uh, on the note that in the end, Pinchas was blessed with with God's blessing of peace is what we should always be striving for. I will wish you a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Parsha in Progress is written and hosted by Abigail Pogrebin and Rabbi Dove Linzer. The show is produced by Shira Telushkin and executive produced by Josh Cross and Tablet Magazine. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. We'd be so grateful if you'd head over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps more people find us. You can also write or fetch to us at this email, Parsha in Progress at tabletmag.com. Thanks for listening.